0: Tonight, preacher. Well, thank you, Lord, for what you've done this week. I think we ought to say it publicly sometimes. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done this week. My heart, our church's heart, we thank you, Lord, for sending the man of God to us. And thank you, preacher, for the way you ministered to us and helped us this week. I love him and I appreciate him. And I'm encouraged by him. You pray for him tonight as he preaches. All right, thank you for being here. I want to say with the pastor, he mentioned it last night, I appreciate your faithfulness this week to be in the house of the Lord. As the Hebrew writer put it, assemble together with the saints of God. Amen. I'm glad you're here. And I know in the day we live, there's all kinds of things going on. Everybody wants to go here and do this and do that and do the other things. So thank you for your faithfulness to the house of God this week. And thank you for your kindness toward me. And uh all the things I have enjoyed. Thank you for your offering, your giving. Thank you for good food I've enjoyed and I've enjoyed hanging around your pastor a little bit. Uh we haven't got to fellowship as much as we normally do because I've been staying up the road a little ways, but we'll get <coughs> excuse me, we'll get some more fellowship in. Uh and then if the Lord comes back for I see him we'll get a whole lot of fellowship in. But uh I don't remember if the uh, if the uh, Fella, made that announcement tonight. I think you forgot that announcement. or Did I miss it? That the Lord's coming back? Yeah, the Lord's coming back. I might have stepped out. That's what happened. But amen. The Lord is coming back again. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for being here. I want you to look with me in the 132nd Psalm tonight. The 132nd Psalm. This is one of the songs of degrees. We looked at one of them a little earlier this week. But I want us to tonight on our our last night of this meeting, I want to sp- uh, spend a moment in this song. Um, I hesitated when I said the last night of the meeting. I was in a meeting one place and the preacher got up and he said, we're going to have Brother McBride come and preach his final message. And he meant of the meeting, but it sounded sounded more ominous than that. <laughs> Not like he knew something I didn't know. So uh, this would be the final night of the meeting. Hopefully not the end of revival and hopefully not the end of God working in our hearts. Now, I mentioned to you earlier this week that in our book of Psalms, Psalm 120 down through Psalm 134, there are 15 psalms titled the Songs of Degrees. And the word degree means an elevation or an ascension or a journey to a higher place. So there are several several theories, if you will, about why these psalms are here, why they're titled what they're titled... Uh, who uh, gathered them together and arranged them. And I won't go into all that again. I mentioned it to you briefly. But I will mention this. There are three psalms amongst these songs of degrees that I like to call the primary psalms. I call them that because they only have three verses. They're very brief. And they all deal with things that we would associate with the primary class or the little children. One of them deals with the weaning process which we certainly would associate with children. One of them deals, Psalm 133, with getting along. And I notice a lot of time with children, you have to say, now get along, don't fight, share your toys. And then Psalm 134 deals with uh, the darkness. And a lot of time when you're a child, you're afraid of the dark. It bothers you to be in the darkness. But really those Psalms apply to all of us because all of us need to have a change in appetite. Amen. We need to go through a weaning process in our Christian life All of us need to learn to love one another and get along. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And, uh, and I know one thing about me. I know sometimes I'm hard to get along with. But don't, don't uh, look at me that way because you're hard to get along with too. And if I'm going to love you and if you're going to love me, if we're going to get along, we'll have to do it on purpose. We'll have to endeavor to keep the bond of unity in the spirit of peace. And then, and then, uh, uh, that darkness. You know, uh, little children afraid of the dark, but you and I in our Christian life will sometime or another have to go through dark places. We'll have to go through difficult places. Well, I call it working the night shift. Sometimes you have to work the night shift so that something can be accomplished in the day shift. We won't deal with those, but those are the primary Psalms. They're brief. Now, the reason I mention that is because Psalm 132 is kind of in the middle uh, of those three, and yet it is the most lengthy of the songs of Degrees. It is the longest. It is 18 verses long, and I'm going to read them to you, and we'll read them right now. Psalm 132, and it says this, Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and vowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes. Or slumber to mine eyelids. Until I find out a place for the Lord. And habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest. Thou and the ark of thy strength. Let the, thy priests be clothed with righteousness. And let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, he will not turn from it. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon the throne. If thy children will keep my command or covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation. And her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. Now those are the 18 verses of the 132nd Psalm. And I'm going to pray. And then I want to preach to you for a little while on this thought. Desire in the 13th degree. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for being so good to us, Lord. Thank you for helping us when we were helpless. Saving us when we were lost. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for hunting us down with the good Holy Ghost of God. Thank You for the Word of God that we heard and faith wrought up in our hearts. I'm glad, Lord, that You didn't leave us to ourselves. Thank You for interrupting us on our way to hell and drawing us to Calvary that we might be born again and have our sins forgiven and be cleansed and clean and righteous in Thy sight. Justified, Lord. Hallelujah. To be declared righteous by the Supreme Judge of the universe. Thank You, God, for what You've done for us. What You're going to do tonight what You will do for us in the future. Thank You for being a wonderful God, a sweet Savior, and a precious Lord. And I pray tonight, Lord, You will help me to give You glory. And if You get glory, we'll get help. And I pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Now, a lot of psalmists call this, I, I like to read what fellas say about Scriptures because there's a lot of fellas in the world a lot smarter than I am. So I like to find out what people's opinions are. I read about one man. He called this the song of the ark. And certainly the ark is mentioned. And I believe uh, has a central uh, point or part in this psalm. One fellow called it the song of the temple. Certainly the temple has a central part in this psalm. But I like to call this psalm the song of desire. The song of desire. The Lord will talk about it in verse 13 and 14. For the Lord hath chosen Zion, he hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. Now in this psalm we have the account of David's desire to build a temple that God might inhabit and dwell amongst his people. I want to say this to you at the outset tonight. It's good to have a desire to serve God. It's good to have a desire to want to do something for God. And sometimes we lose that desire. He said, preacher, what happened to it? Well, sometimes sin steals our desire. Sometimes we get involved in iniquity and ungodliness. And it just kind of quells the the, the, uh, fervency that we once had in our heart for the Lord. Sometimes trials, although I believe God designs trials that we might have a greater desire, sometime we let those trials dampen our desire for the Lord. David had a great desire. Can I ask you a question tonight? Do you have burning in your heart a desire to accomplish something for the glory of God? People have desires all the time. Uh, sometimes they desire wicked things. I remember reading about uh, Mel Trotter when he was a a, a man, a father, and His little boy passed away and so his wife gave him money to go down to the shoemaker and have the shoemaker to make uh, some leather shoes, some patent leather shoes to put on the body of that boy in the coffin. But Mel Trotter was a drunkard. He had a desire for liquor and instead of buying those shoes, he went down and, and spent that money buying liquor and getting drunk. That desire ruled his life. And I would say to you tonight, if we have a desire to do something for the glory of God, that ought to rule our life as a Christian, that God would be glorified and magnified. And if we have no desire, we ought to search our hearts and find out why. There ought to be a desire tonight. There was a desire here in this passage. Now, in this passage, I believe, and I wouldn't fuss with you about this, but I believe Solomon was the author of this song. One of the reasons I believe that is because some of the wording that is used here is exactly the same as the prayer that Solomon prayed when he dedicated the temple after it was finished. In Second Chronicles chapter 6, verses 41 and 42, the Bible said this, Solomon is praying. He prays and says, Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, thou in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Now that passage is very reminiscent of what we've read here in Psalm 132. So I think Solomon wrote this psalm, I think he wrote it and used it, when they were going to dedicate the temple. That does not mean that some psalmist later on used it, or Israel used it as they, they may have used it again when they came back from the captivity, or when they marched up to the feast days. I don't know. But I believe Solomon was the author. And I like the way the psalm begins. Now, I'm not quite to the message yet, so stay with me. I'll get there in a minute. I like the way the psalm begins. The psalmist wants help from God. He wants God to do something. And notice how he starts the song. He said, Lord, remember David. Now what interests me is, Solomon did not say, Lord, remember me. Lord, remember what I've done. Lord, remember what I want to do. But he said, remember David. When he wanted help from God, he, re- he reminded God of somebody that God had made a covenant with and promises to. You know what? What Solomon did here is exactly what I did when I got saved. I did not come and say, Lord, remember me. I'll do this or I've done that. I came and said, Lord, will you remember Jesus? Will you remember what He did on the cross? Will you remember the blood that He shed? Can I promise you something? You go to the throne of God and start talking about Jesus. You'll get the attention of the God of the universe. You start talking about His Son. You can bet He'll pay attention to what you have to say. So Solomon comes and he asks the Lord to remember David and the desire that David had. Now, I have four things I want to say to you about this psalm. And I want to talk about a desire to serve the Lord. The first thing I want you to notice is the psalmist will tell us about the great desire of David. And I call it a great desire because when we see what this desire did in David's heart, we'll find out this was not a passing whim with David. This was not just some fanciful thing that David thought of one day. It was a desire that permeated his life. The Bible said, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swear unto the Lord and bowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids until... I find out a place for the Lord and habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. This, this desire that David had caused him first of all to make a promise. He promised God that there were some things he would not do. He promised God that there was something that he was going to do. Now, some folks say, well, I don't think you ought to ever promise God anything. Well, wait a minute now. I don't think you ought to promise him something when you got saved, to get saved. And when I got saved, I did not God promise God anything. I didn't promise Him I'd do this or not do that. But since I've been saved, I have made some holy vows unto God and made some promises to God. And there's not a thing wrong with that. Not a thing wrong with promising God that you're going to give your life to Him and that you're going to serve Him. I remember when He he dealt with my heart about about the gospel, about preaching the gospel. I went to an altar and bowed at the altar and promised God that I would preach the gospel, that I would preach the word of God. I made a vow. I've tried to keep that now. I've been working on it for over 40 years now. There's not a thing wrong with making a vow to God. And David made a vow to God. He made a promise. He not only made a promise, but this desire caused him to set some priorities. Look what he said. He said, Surely I'll not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find out a place for the Lord. Now think about what David's saying here. He's saying, Lord, I want you to know that I want you to be in the midst of your people. I want you to have a place to dwell. And that desire is more important to me than getting sleep at night. That, That desire is more important to me than being comfortable in my own house. I tell you, friend, the desire to serve God ought to be the most important thing in our life. A desire for God to be glorified. It ought to be more important than our eating. ought to be more important than our sleeping. It ought to be more important than our fellowship. It ought to take priority. You remember what Jesus said in the New Testament? He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. We get things out of order, and we start putting ourselves first when we ought to be living for the glory of God. The New Testament writer said, Whatsoever you do, do all. Under the glory of God. It caused him to make a promise. It caused him to set priorities. And it caused him to make plans. He started making plans about a temple. Can I ask you a question? You got any plans for serving God? Now some might look at me and say, Well, preacher, you know, uh, I, I'm older now. Reckon how old David was when he made this decision. Is after as after the birth of Solomon, because God made a promise to him about Solomon. So David made these plans in later in life. I think David died, if I remember correctly. He lived into his seventies, but now he's gone through all the trials and the difficulties. He's an older man, but guess what he's doing? He's still making plans to do something for God. He hasn't sat down. He hasn't give up. He hasn't said, well, I've done enough. He's making plans. You know, we ought to all be making some kind of plan to bring glory to God. You know, when you think about this, can I just say this? I'm reminded of David when he was a young man bringing the ark. You remember? Bringing the ark up to Jerusalem. You remember him dancing before the Lord. He's wearing that linen ephod. I always loved that passage. He was a king, but he'd rather be a priest than a king. He put on that linen ephod and went to dancing before the Lord. And uh, he had a desire in his heart to glorify God. Now he's an old man, but he has not lost that desire. And really the desire is the same. When you think about this temple, David's desire is that God would have a dwelling place in the midst of his people. You know what he wants? He wants everybody to be able to fellowship with God. He wants everybody to know God. He wants God to be in the of the people of Israel. That's why He won that temple. So He made a promise. He set priorities. He made a plan. But listen to me now. Listen to me carefully. God changed His plan. I want to make plans to serve the Lord, but I want to be open if God should change my plan. Here's what happened. 2 Samuel 7, the Bible said it came to pass. When the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, "See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains." He's got this desire now to build a house for the Lord. for at the first, Nathan said, "Well, just do what's in your heart." But Nathan didn't get too far out the door, and God said, "No, David can't build me a house." Here's what it said in 1 Chronicles twenty-two: "But the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build a house under my name because thou hast shed much." blood upon the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to thee who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies round about. For his name shall be Solomon. I'll give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son. I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So Nathan said, David, you got a plan. It's a good plan. Your desire is a good desire, but it doesn't quite line up with the plan of God. So David... You're going to have to shift your plan. You're going to have to alter your plan so it lines up with the plan of God. Now, here's what I want to say to you about this point. Here is David. He has a great desire to do something for the glory of God. But he is going to be providentially hindered from doing what he wants to do. Now, in the first place, we ought to have a desire and we ought to have a plan. But you say, preacher, what if I have a desire and I have a plan and I'm providentially hindered from fulfilling that plan and fulfilling that desire? What do I do then? Well, here's what you do. You do what David said. And what he did? He changed his plan. And here's what he did. He said in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 14, Now behold, in my trouble I have prepared for the house of the Lord an hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight, for it is in abundance timber also and stone have I prepared, and thou mayest add thereto. Now what's he saying? He's saying God's not going to let me build this temple. He's not going to let me do what's in my heart. But He's going to let the son Solomon. That's a message in it. Can I just throw this in here? I won't charge you any extra. Uh, can any good come out of our sin? Can any good come out of our failures? Well, David and Bathsheba are going to have a boy named Solomon and God's going to bless that boy and let him build a house? Yes, God can overrule your failures. God can overrule your trials. God can overrule those things. But here's what David did. Now listen to me. Here's what David did. David had a great desire to do something for God, but God hindered him from doing it. So what did David do? He found somebody that could do it, and he helped them do it. I was in a service not too long ago, and I had a little money squirreled away in my wallet. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes they call it mad money—stuff you're not going to spend on groceries—and y'all yeah, squirreled away in that wallet. So I was in this revival meeting, and uh, preacher said to me before the meeting, "He now Brother McBride, we got a missionary has sent us a video, and I want to play this mission video before the ser—at the beginning of the service. If that's all right with you.'" I said, I'll "Be fine." So they started that video, and this fella got up, and he was in Papua. Uh, pa- I don't know if I can pronounce this right. Papua New Guinea, however you say that. And he's, and he's on this video and he says now folks, he said, uh, we've got us some folks that's been saved. We won some people to the Lord. He said we got us a church and we need to build it. And he said it's going to cost us I think it was thirty-four hundred dollars, three thousand. Don't you wish you could build a building in America for thirty-four hundred? He said, "I think it's going to cost us three thousand four hundred dollars to build this building." So I said, and he, "This guy's saying this on this video, you know, and he's saying if I if I could get some help, I could build this building, and we could have a building where our church could meet, and if it rains, we'll be inside. You know, it'd just be helpful if we had a building." So they got done with the deal, and the preacher, <laughs> the preacher said, "Now we need a little money. I want to raise a little money for this building." Well, the Lord said, "How about that money you got squirreled away in your wallet?" I didn't have three thousand dollars, but I had a little bit of money in there, uh, and uh, enough at least to help, you know. And so the Lord said to me, "What about that money you got squirreled away?" And I'd already had some plans for that money, but uh, I, it wasn't something I had to have. And I got to think about that building, so I got my money out—that my mad money I'd squirreled away in my wallet, put in the an offering. And uh, when they got all done, they—it ra- was three thousand that he needed. They raised uh three thousand four hundred dollars. Now, I want you to listen to me now. I will never, I'll probably never go to Papua New Guinea. I'll probably never set foot on that property. I'll probably never get inside that building. But you know what? My fingerprints are on. Now you think about David. David. David gathered all these things together. All this gold and all this silver and the cedars of Lebanon and all of those things. David is never going to see the temple. He's never going to see the fulfillment of his dream and his desire. He's never going to see it. He's going to leave this world before it gets done. But every time they put a piece of that gold on something, David's fingerprints are on it. Every time they covered up something with that silver, David's fingerprints are on it. Every time they put up a beam of that cedars of Lebanon, David's finger. Fingerprints are on it. You know what I've decided, friend? There's places I can't go and there's things I can't do, but I want to get my fingerprints on everything I can. I may not can go to some foreign land. I may not can do this or I may not can do that. But I know some folks who can do it and I want to get my fingerprints on what they build. I was preaching a few weeks ago on the radio WGCR. I staying up, they always put me in this little cabin up on a trout stream up on the mountain and I stay up there all week and I was up there and my family and I was, I was sitting out on the porch, I, I see the fishermen out there and I hear that stream go along, I sit out on that screened in porch, read my Bible, talk to the Lord and I was out there and I kept hearing this horn uh, honking. And I, and I, you know, it's, it's usually pretty quiet up there. Uh, there'll be vehicles go along some, but this horn kept honking and it wasn't like somebody driving by. It's somebody out in the front yard. And I, I thought, man, somebody's mad about something out there. And my daughter Beth come in and said, Dad, there's a fellow out there and he's honking out there and uh, I don't know who it is. So finally I went and opened the door and there was a man you know, in a van and I walked out there. When I got close, he said, Brother McBride! I said, yes, sir. And I, when I got close to the car, I could see he was in a wheelchair. He was driving this van, but he's in a wheelchair. And he said, uh, I said, what can I do for you? And he had an envelope and handed me an envelope. He said, I'm just trying to do what the Lord wants me to do. And I talked to him a little while about this and that and the other thing and he said don't tell anybody who I am I said I won't and uh, so then when he left I walked in the house and I opened up the envelope there's $150 in there now you know what he was doing here's a fellow probably won't I, I was preaching that week on the radio and on the internet I preached at 48 uh, 48 states, and I preached it. I think over 50 countries around the world over the internet. Now that fella is not a preacher. He'll never get up on the pul on the platform. He'll never get behind the pulpit. But when I got up to preach that day, his fingerprints were on the message. His fingerprint. I want to tell you what I want to do. I've got a desire to serve God. There may be some things I can't do, so I'm going to find somebody who can, and I'm going to help them do what God would have them do, and get my fingerprints. On as much stuff as I can. Are you listening now? You say, preacher, I'll never be able to go here. I'll never be able to go there. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to do that. No, but you know somebody who can go there. And you know somebody who can do this. And you know somebody who can do that. Why don't you get your fingerprints on that? Why don't you say, I'm going to help them like David did. I'm going to prepare so that they'll be able to do what's in my heart. I'm going to prepare them and help them. Get your fingerprints on something. That's what David did. That's what he did. And so David had a great desire. And here's what he did he got his fingerprints on it. Here's the second thing I want you to see in this passage. Not only David who had a great desire, but Solomon, who had what I call a gifted desire. So what do you mean? Well, Solomon also had a desire to build a temple, but you know where he got that desire from? Got it from his daddy. Here's what the Bible said. 1 Chronicles 22. And David said to Solomon, My, David said to Solomon, listen now, this is David talking to Solomon my son as for me it was in my mind to build an house under the name of the Lord my God but the word of the Lord came to me saying thou hast shed blood abundantly and hast made great wars thou shalt not build an house under my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight behold a son shall be born to thee who shall be a man of rest I will give him rest from all his enemies round about for his name shall be Solomon I will give peace and quietness unto Israel in his days he shall build an house for my name he shall be my son I will be his father I will establish The throne of the kingdom over Israel forever. Now this David talking to Solomon, Now, my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he has said of thee. We ought to be making plans uh, to help somebody accomplish the will of God, but we ought to also be doing this. We ought to be gifting our desire to them that are coming after us. We ought to be bringing up our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. I, I'm all for people being doctors and I'm all for people being lawyers. And I know we need doctors and I know we need lawyers and I know we need, know we need law officers. I know we need all that. But well, let me tell you what, we need more than that. We need old-fashioned, holy ghost filled gospel preachers. That's what, that's what we need. Why don't we start raising our children and tell them, your hero's not some basketball player. Your hero's not somebody to kick a football. Your hero's not somebody that can twirl a soccer ball on his finger. Your hero ought to be the man of God. The preacher. The pastor. That's your hero. Why don't you grow up and serve God? Let's gift our desire to our children. You know, if our children, if we'd sit them down and remind them of what God has done in our life, and that God wants to do something in their life. God has a purpose for every young person in this church. Has a purpose for every life. Solomon's his 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 uh, desire was gifted to him, given to him by his father. Some of us, some of you, perhaps I had parents that took me to church all my life, but some of you didn't have a godly heritage. You didn't have a daddy that loved God nor a mama that loved God, but you got saved, and now you have a desire. You need to start a godly heritage. You'll be the beginning point of it. You bring your children up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And you help them to see there's a purpose in life. And that purpose is to bring glory to God. Now when Solomon had this gifted desire, so I believe Solomon begins to talk when it says in verse 6, Lo, we heard of it at Ephrata. We found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacle. We will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest. Thou in the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. And let thy saints shout for joy. For thy servant David, sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. I believe this is Solomon talking. He's remembering that for a time when the ark was lost, that the children of Israel, they not only lost track of it, they lost thought of it. It did not mean to them what it should have. But they heard about it. David went and found it. They brought it, found it in the woods, brought it back And they brought it up to Jerusalem uh, and they wanted it to rest there. That was the presence of God. And so Solomon is talking about that and he makes some requests. I want you to notice these requests that he makes. He asks first of all, he, he says this, He said, I want a remembrance. He said, Lord, uh, remember David. Don't forget about David. Remember David. Remember his desire. He asked for a rest. He says in Psalm 132 in verse number 8, He said, Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. He asked for a record. He said, Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness. He asked for rejoicing. He said, Let thy saints shout for joy. He asked for a representative. He said, For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the faith. Of thine anointed. In other words, what he's saying is Lord, because of your promise to David I'm your anointed now Don't turn me away Let me be a representative for the people So he's asking all these things He got this desire from his father He's desiring all of these things For God to do Surrounding the temple And surrounding the ark Of the covenant of God But wait a minute I want you to see a third desire There is David's great desire. There is Solomon's gifted desire. But then the author or the speaker changes again. Look in verse 11. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David. He will not turn from it. Now watch this. Of the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. God is talking now. If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them. Their children shall also sit upon thy throne forevermore. For the Lord hath desired, hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever." Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have adorned, I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon himself shall his crown flourish. I want you to notice this. David had a desire. He could not fulfill that desire. So he prepared a way for Solomon to fulfill that desire. And he he passed that desire on to Solomon. But here's what interests me in this passage. It turns out that as great as David's desire was, and as great as Solomon's desire was, God desired the same thing in a greater way than either David or Solomon had. As a matter of fact everything that Solomon asked here, God gives him. Only he gives him greater and better than what he asked for. Solomon said this. He said arise and enter. Here's what God said. This is my rest forever. Here will I desire. I Well, I have desired it. Solomon said I wish you'd come in here. God said I'm coming. And I'm not just coming for a little while. I'm coming for Forever. And then Solomon said this, let thy priest be clothed with righteousness. But the Lord said, I will clothe, also clothe her priest. With salvation. Now righteousness is good. But it's only a portion of salvation. Salvation covers the whole thing. God said I'm going to do better than just change their record. I'm going to do better than just give them righteousness. I'm going to give them the whole bag full. I'm going to give them salvation. Solomon asked for this. He said let thy saints shout for joy. God said this. And her saints shall... Shout aloud for joy. Now Solomon said, we want to shout her out. God said, I'm going to let you do more than shout her out. I'm going to give you a loud shout. It's a, it's a Hebrewism. God me, he's saying, I'm going to give you a shouting shout. I'm going to get, I'm going to let you be loud loudly. That's the way the Hebrewism would be. And so God said, I'm going to give you more than what you asked for. God desired it more than they did. And then Solomon had asked this. For thy servant David's sake, turn not away the face of thine anointed. He said, Don't, I'm going to represent the people. Don't turn me away. God said, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a better representative. That I will never turn away. Here's what he said. He said in verse 17, there will I make the horn of David to bud. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about life. Then he says, He said, I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. He's talking about light. Then He said His enemies will I clothe with shame, but upon Himself shall His crown flourish. He's talking about largeness. Now if you were to look in your Bible and find somebody that was a representative light, and life, and largeness. I don't think we'd have to look too far. I think we'd be in agreement, who's he talking about? Who is it that's going to bud out of the lineage of David? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he said, Solomon said, I want to be a representative of the people. Don't turn my face away from you. God said, I'm going to do better than that. I'm going to give you my son as a representative of the people, and I won't ever turn his face away. We'll always be in perfect agreement. We will always have an intercessor. You will always have an anointed that can stand before my face. You understand, Solomon had a desire. He got it from his daddy. His daddy had a desire but all the time, God had a greater desire than both of them. Would you listen to me? You say, preacher, I have a desire but I don't know if I can do it. Let me tell you something. If it's a holy desire and a righteous desire and a godly desire then I believe God has a greater desire than you have and He'll do exceeding, abundantly above all you can ask. He'll give you back better than what you asked for. That's what God did in this passage. He had the greatest desire of all. It was God's desire. Now there's one last thing I want to say to you and I'll be done. That is the grateful desire of the saints. What do you mean, preacher? Well, what should this passage do for us? First of all, the Lord's goodness ought to cause us to have a desire. You know, the Bible tells about David going into the, into the tabernacle and sitting before the Lord and saying, who am I? Who am I that you should do what you promised to do in my life? You remember what Paul said in Romans chapter two? He said, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. The goodness of God is what motivates us to do what we do. God wanted to use goodness to save us. He wants to use goodness to to instill and develop that desire in our heart. The reason we want to serve God is because he had been so good to us. Hadn't He been good to you? Hadn't He blessed you? I don't remember. I can't. I can't number the times that Brother Billy Kelly, when I was with him, would preach and he'd lean over the pulpit and he said, "Hey, what's wrong with what God's been doing for you?" Nothing. God's been good to you, hadn't He? He blessed you. He's blessed you. So that ought to cause us to want to do something. Shame on us! When we have no desire. The writer John McBeath said this. He said it is something to want to do something for the glory of God. Even if the whole effort is beyond you, do something. Like David, do something to advance the cause. Make some contribution to the work. Every little helps the whole. Do not despise your place or opportunity. And then he made this statement. He said it is the effect... Of every blade of grass that makes the meadow green. You say, oh, preacher, I'm not much. Maybe you're just a blade of grass. But if none of them bladed grass blades of grass were in that meadow, it would be barren, wouldn't it? But every blade of grass standing where it's supposed to stand, you look over there and see that beautiful metal. You say, preacher, I'm not much. No, but you could be a blade of grass. You could just stand where God put you and have a desire to serve the Lord and make the house of God beautiful. You could, as the New Testament writer called it, adorn the house of God. Amen. We ought to have a desire tonight. And if we don't have a desire, let's search our hearts and find out what happened to that desire. We will do something. The Lord's guidance should control all of our desires. That's what happened in David's life. So, preacher, I'm afraid if I do something, I'll do it wrong. You just go ahead and get busy for God and let God change your direction. Let Him move your desire. Let Him refine your plan. And then the Lord graciously multiplies the fruit of our desire. That's what He did for David. That's what He did for Solomon. That's what He'll do for us. We'll never imagine. You, you, just look at yourself a minute where you are now serving God. You never imagined it when you got started. You never thought of it. it. It was not even a dream. But look where you are. You know why you're where you are? Because God did exceeding abundantly about I never dreamed when I was a little boy growing up in Michigan barefooted running out in the woods. I never dreamed I'd preach you over the internet and over 50 countries and 40, I never dreamed that. I never dreamed that. But God has done exceeding abundantly. God can multiply your dream. You say now preacher, I can't go here and I can't go there. I know I can't do this and I know I can't do that. Then listen, find someone who can and help them. Get your fingerprints on the work of God somewhere. Can I say this to you? When I leave here and go down the road, next week I'll Next week I'll preach revival in in uh, in uh, Granite Falls, North Carolina. And the week after that I'll preach on Sunday in Jonesboro, Georgia. And then I'll preach in Rossville, Georgia during the week. And then the week after that I'll preach in uh, uh, Heber Springs, Arkansas. And then the week after that I'll preach somewhere. I'll be preaching somewhere every Sunday and every week this year. And the Lord willing now and next year. But you know what? Look at it. You know what? Your fingerprints will be on it. Because you gave this week. Because you prayed. You may never go to Heber Springs, Arkansas, put your fingerprints on <laughs> I want to get my fingerprints in as much of the work of God as I can. And find out what God is able and willing to do with what I do for Him. I want you to bow your heads a moment. Heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. The preacher, I don't know what I can do. Do something. Do something. If you don't have a desire to accomplish something for God, then come get on altar tonight. Now you need to say, Lord, I don't know what happened to my desire, but I wish you'd get it back to me. Lord, I don't know what's hindering my desire, but I wish you'd take it away from me. And I wish you'd fill my heart with a fervent desire to accomplish something for your honor and your glory. The desire that David had was to bring God to the people that ought to be our desire tonight to bring God to somebody that He might find a new dwelling place that He might dwell in some sinner's heart and be saved, that sinner be saved. Don't you have a desire tonight? There is no desire. Come and ask Him. And then if you do have a desire, say, Lord, lead me and guide me and direct me. Tell me how to go about this. Tell me who I should get involved with. Help me, Lord. Help me. Give me some Give me some plan. Give me some direction. Help me get my fingerprints on as much of as I can. Help me. Maybe there's somebody here, you've never been saved. You don't know if you died, you'd go to heaven. In fact, if you were to die right now, you'd probably you'd split hell wide open and you know it. You know you've never been saved. And you might say, preacher, I can't hold out. I can't get it done. Somebody already got it done for you. That's Jesus. He paid the penalty. And if you'll trust it, He'll save you tonight. He'll save your soul. Maybe you'd want to come and trust Him. We'll get somebody to help you. You can be saved before you leave. Now, Father, help us in this invitation. Thank you that we can be involved in the work of God. I pray, Lord, that you would renew our zeal, that you would light a fire inside of us, that we might desire to see your glory and your work accomplished. Help us, Lord, to have such a desire that we'll get our fingerprints in wherever we can in the work of God. Please help us tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're standing. Our sisters.